Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years in banking to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. And we have three great guests on the show today. This is uh, this is Law Firm Day. And so I want to say welcome to Allison Affleck and Harry Brenner with Affleck and Gordon. Uh, Harry and Allison, welcome. Thank you. And also want to welcome uh, Leslie Bassett with Pridgen Bassett Law Firm. Leslie, welcome to Profit Sense. Thanks for having me, Bill. So Leslie, I'd like to uh, start with you. I know you and Leslie have launched a very successful firm, but employee benefits law is a broad topic. Uh, Do you and the firm focus on any specific areas? And if so, could you talk about those specific areas? Sure. Um, Well, uh, employee benefits is broad. I'll highlight a few things that that we do as a law firm. Um, We work on, um, ERISA is the federal um, law that governs employee benefits generally. Um, And we do a lot of work in the subrogation and reimbursement area. Um, What that means is um, when someone gets injured, and incurs a lot of medical bills, often their employer's health plan will seek reimbursement of the money that they paid for the medical bills when they get a recovery from a third party. If they, for instance, sue the person who hit them in the car or, um, or the doctor who committed malpractice or something like that, if they get money from that, then um, often the insurer will want the money that they paid for their medical bills to be reimbursed from that recovery. Um, So that's one area that we focus on. There's a couple of others that I'll mention. Um, Health benefits, claims, and appeals. So, you know, when a person um, needs a specific medication for a condition that they have, or they need a specific procedure, and sometimes their health plan will require, for instance, pre-authorization um, for that. And so we work with clients through the process of getting certain uh, medications or procedures approved. And then the third area that I would highlight is we do executive compensation work for high-level executives um, and just consult with them on their um, benefits packages, then their compensation packages and things like that. So those are three sort of areas that that we specifically focus on. And in each of those, um, 
the theme that I'll say is getting us involved early is really, really important to make sure that you maximize the benefits that you get. And we'll certainly talk about that a little more as we go. We're talking this morning with Leslie Bassett, partner with Pridgen Bassett Law. For 17 years, Leslie has provided efficient, creative, energized, and personalized employment and ERISA representation to clients on all sides of employment and benefit matters. And Leslie, I'm wondering uh, if you could talk about maybe a specific story of a case that you worked on. Sure. Um, One specific one that I can recall is, um, this is in the subrogation and reimbursement area. There is a a baby named Gabby who um, was born with a birth injury. She has uh, cerebral palsy. She's quadriplegic. Um, she's bound in a wheelchair and she has, um, has to have constant care 24 seven, um, and is on oxygen and a ventilator and will be for her entire life. So the personal injury lawyer who represented her in her, um, case against the doctors who, um, were involved with her birth injury, um, got us involved to, work with the insurance company and try and minimize the amount of money that they had to reimburse the insurance company for her medical care. We were able to get um, about almost $2 million in, um, in her care costs waived so that they didn't have to reimburse the insurance company for them. Um, and again, I'll go back to the theme, get us involved early because sometimes um, in these subrogation and reimbursement cases, um, the actual settlement in the underlying lawsuit for malpractice or the personal injury lawsuit um, is affected greatly um, by whether the, um, the, the actual injured party has to reimburse the insurance company. So it's helpful for us to get involved early so we can evaluate um, the ERISA, which is the employee benefit plan, the medical benefit plan, um, the ERISA plan language, and um, see if we can help out in getting the lien, um, the reimbursement lien either reduced or waived entirely. Um, So in Gabby's case, um, there was an underlying lawsuit against the doctors and the hospital that were involved. There was a medical benefit plan that was sponsored by her father's employer. Um, it was a self-funded benefit plan, which, um, which means that the subrogation and reimbursement provisions within that plan would apply. Um, if, if it's an insured plan, and this is interesting for listeners to know, if, the, if a medical benefit plan is insured, then the subrogation and reimbursement provisions do not apply. Um, it's, it's a carve out from ERISA and they can't seek recovery from the injured party. So this was a self-funded plan. We looked at a lot of the really interesting ERISA issues. You have to go to the actual wording of the plan. And it's important to have an expert who has a lot of experience in this area. Again, get us involved early. Um, because there are a lot of nuanced arguments under ERISA 
um, that require for the plan language to say certain things. And if it doesn't say certain things, then the, we can often get the lien waived or, or, or reduced greatly. In this um, instance, the plan had discretion to waive the lien. We made the case for Gabby that her injuries, her cerebral palsy, and her, the level of care that she was going to require over time was going to be, you know, sort of astronomical. And we made sort of an equitable argument that, you know, the insurance company should just waive the lien because they had discretion to do so. Um, and in this instance, that they, they did, and we saved her family about two million dollars. So that's that's one area that we focus on that we can be really, really impactful for families. Yeah, so my takeaway there is really to uh, get you involved early uh, and then having the expertise to look at the nuances in the language, also understanding case precedent is uh, sounds like is is just really critical. I'm wondering, are there any other niches uh, that you focus on in addition to this niche? Sure. So we do um, health benefit claims, a lot of health benefit claims. Again, get us involved early. One of the reasons to get us involved early, if you have a situation in which, you know, you're applying for, let's say, um, I have a client who uh, is a three-year-old boy who has spinal muscular atrophy, which is going to cause him to, you know, never be able to walk. And he needs certain gene therapies in order to improve his likelihood of a better quality of life. Um, so my clients, his parents and him, you know, got us involved early. The importance of that is that when you make a medical benefit claim and you go through the claims and appeals process with an insurance company, if you don't make all the arguments that you have during that um, during that process, then you lose them if you were to go to litigation. And so it's really important that you have somebody involved who can look at the language of the plan and make all the best arguments for you. In this situation, this little boy, Jonas, um, needed a gene therapy for his spinal muscular atrophy. And the insurance company was de denying his parents' pre-authorization claim. And um, he had had one gene therapy, um, but this was a different one that he needed. And the insurance company was trying to say that it was an investigational tre treatment um, and that it wasn't really, you know, established enough. And we were able to look at the language of the plan and see that if the treatment was FDA approved, which this treatment was, then it couldn't be deemed investigational under the law. Um, we made that argument, we made that argument successfully, and he got the treatment. Um, so, you know, health benefits claims, which are super impactful to the people involved, um, are one of our specialties. Wow, and that's a great story. So we're talking to Leslie Bassett with Pridge and Bassett Law. Pridge and Bassett Law's attorneys combine more than 35 years of litigation experience to offer legal strategies and solutions tailored to each client's unique situation. Pridge and Bassett Law serves clients, including employees and employers, private and public businesses, and ERISA plan sponsors and fiduciary. They offer modern answers for modern benefits and employment issues. Leslie, don't I remember that you're doing a webinar 
for education purposes for companies to avoid litigation with employees. Could could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. There's an upcoming webinar um, that I'm doing with Lawlytics um, that's going to focus on employers and you know ways that they can um, avoid their their uh, mitigate their litigation risks. Um, so it's really just going to focus on um, looking at benefit plans and looking at areas in which um, the plans are open to vulnerability um, because they are a ambiguous or uh, in their, in their terms of whether certain benefits will be provided or um one of the other things that 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 webinar will focus on is um, dealing with employee claims and and making sure that the administration of benefit plans is consistent with respect to like circumstances so that you know the employer can avoid uh, certain litigation liability associated with sort of mismanagement and misadministration um, of a plan. Um, so that that webinar is going to be um, very impactful. Um, I've done, a, I used to work, Bill, you may know this, on the other side of the quote unquote V in terms of litigation. I used to defend large companies um, from employee benefits litigation. Um, and ERISA stock drop suits and, you know, executive compensation disputes and things like that. And so really counseling an employer on the front end, taking a look at their employee benefit plans and um, talking to the people who administer them so that they can avoid a lawsuit that might be costly and uh, difficult for them is what the goal of that webinar is. Well, that sounds like a very um, beneficial webinar. And for any of our listeners, uh, if they would need either uh, information on the webinar or if they would like to get in touch with you, uh, could you maybe share uh, your website or some more information of how to hear about the webinar or how to get in touch with you? Sure. So I, I think Nancy Pridgen, who's my law partner, is going to be instrumental in that webinar as well. Um, we are Pridgen Bassett Law. Our website is uh, www.pridgenbassett.com. I'm going to spell that because it's not intuitive. P-R-I-D-G-E-N Bassett, B-A-S-S-E-T-T.com. Um, and my uh, email address is Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E at pridgenbassett.com. I'm happy to uh receive any inquiries about that and provide details about that webinar. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. My big takeaways were uh, obviously your expertise and understanding the nuances of the type of law that you practice, as well as the importance of getting you involved as early in the process as possible. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Bill. It was fun. And now we're going to uh, uh, visit with Harry and Allison. And so excited to have you on. Uh, you both were working in the family law firm with no succession plan. So 
tell us what made you decide to become the succession plan that the family didn't have. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, so just to give some some background, um, my dad, Tom Affleck, is the founder of the firm. He founded it about 40 years ago now um, and then brought in Larry Gordon, who is Harry's stepfather. And they worked together as partners for, you know, 35 lives or so together, so 40 years. Um, and so it really, with the exception of my dad's sister, who was our office manager and, and done an incredible job of that, it really wasn't a family business until Harry and I both went to law school and, you know, came on board at the firm. And so I think that's kind of when the dynamic started to shift and we had a lot of long-term employees um, and, you know, the founding partners started thinking about retiring and, and nobody had a plan, right? So Harry and I are looking at each other saying, okay, what are we going to do? Do we want to do this? Is, you know, do we, do we want to become partners? Do we want to take over this firm? You know, what, what are we doing? Um, and that's kind of when it turned into a family business. And so we talked a lot with Tom and Larry about what was this succession plan going to be? You could tell employees were kind of getting restless, right? We were getting restless. We were kind of excited to make our own mark and to make some changes to, to bring things into our generation, right? And um, and so I think in kind of talking to Tom and Larry, talking with each other, we were thinking about what is what is the foundation of this? Firm? What are the most important things we need to keep going forward? And then what are the things that we're really excited to change? And so I think that kind of the three things we thought about were that the firm, Tom and Larry had this incredible ethical reputation. That was what everything was founded on. Anyone we would talk to, clients, other attorneys, oh my gosh, Tom and Larry are so ethical. Any advice they would give us would be about Whatever you do, make sure it's the ethical thing. So that was kind of the number one thing Carrie and I wanted to preserve. Word of mouth. The business was built on word of mouth, you know, making great relationships with our clients, with other attorneys, with, with really anyone who can refer us cases, right? Yeah, and not only that, I should add, during all this time of us trying to make this succession plan, we were facing changes in, this, in the law that we practice, regulations, and approval rates and, and uh, competition from national firms. So not only were we having to make a succession plan. We had reports too. <laughs> yeah, it was changing times. The business was getting a lot tougher to be in. So yeah, that's a really good point too. It wasn't just, it was a force thing. And, and we also really wanted to be able to continue to help clients. I think that's what all four of us love about what we do. We love being able to help people, help them get their benefits. Um, and so we looked at, we've got to preserve these things, right? But we've got to have a plan going forward that also changes the firm in certain ways. So how do you do that? And that's, that was kind of the question we were faced with and and just started doing one thing at a time, I think, to, to make some changes and create that plan. And ultimately, um, the ownership changed in 2019 and Harry and I um, bought out the, the partners and um, you know, moved forward with, with the course, the new course, I guess you could say. Well, and we're going to talk about that new course here in just a moment. Uh, we're talking to Harry Brenner and Allison Affleck with Affleck and Gordon. Uh, Allison focuses on social security disability and veterans disability cases. Harry has represented uh, clients in over 1,500 social security disability hearings. Uh, I know talking about the firm and and growing the firm is really all about people and processes. So as you bought the firm, 
talk a little bit about how you made it your own. You want to take it out? Sure. No problem. Thanks, Allison. Um, it was really important to us, kind of going off what we were just talking about, that we really wanted to have a unified team. Uh, we wanted to make sure that as we transition into our era, that we really were on the same page with everyone and we could bring people together. Uh, so that was really important, just to have a great culture, a great dynamic at the firm. Uh, we did a lot of things to try to achieve that. We brought in a new software, a new customer relations management system very quickly as we came into 2019 that really helped us have more consistent processes. Uh, what we noticed over the years is that in a smaller firm, um, people can tend to do things that they want to do and, and in their own way without having the structure in place. And so we really wanted to kind of create that structure so everyone was on the same page as we were going forward. Um, we've done so many things in terms of just trying to get people on the same page of having lunches, uh, you know, office meetings and potlucks. Um, so there's been so many things that we've done. We've done a lot of lunch and learns. I think overall, the marketing plan, having a marketing, we had all of these different, right? You're always trying trial and error. So as things evolve with the type of law that we do, Social Security and VA, and these huge national firms coming in and doing all this TV advertising, the previous, you know, they were trying all these different things. Okay, let's try a TV ad. Let's try yellow pages. Let's try this. So we were really wanting to have this kind of cohesive marketing plan that we tied our employees into also, that they felt like they were a part of the team. They felt like they were a part of growing the firm and bringing in clients and being incentivized to do those things too. Um, and with all of this, continuing to help our clients and making sure that they felt with this transition that we weren't losing clients, but that we were, you know, keeping our current clients and then still having them refer us, you know, their friends or family. So that was really important too, in terms of processes, in terms of unity of our team was creating that stability for our clients too, to let them know, hey, we're still here. Applicant Gordon is still here and we're still here to help in whatever way we can. So you were making the firm your own, and then all of a sudden, boom, COVID hits. Uh, you, uh, you had to pivot. So talk a little bit about that pivot and what you had to do. So I think we were lucky in the sense that a lot of the things that we started doing in 2019 helped us when COVID hit and when we were you know, trying to keep everyone on our team safe and, and allow people to, to work from home. I think, you know, we went paperless. So we had already started, you know, getting all of our still social, the governmental programs still worked a little bit backwards. So everything still comes to us in a paper format. So all of the letters we received from social security and the VA, they still come, you know, in a paper form. I guess law maybe in general is, is more like that than other fields, but you know, we had gone paperless. We had this great new uh, software that could be accessed remotely with all of our client information, you know, emails, computers, but we, we just, we tried to get everyone set up so that they could work from home. So they had all of the, the technology, they had a printer, they had, you know, faxing capabilities from their computer. They had all of our clients kind of in one database. Um, what was the other? Oh, DocuSign yeah, was a huge thing for us. Yeah, we, we, we kind of got lucky there. We were trying to, to spearhead these new incentive, you know, initiatives to make ourselves kind of more modern and be able to help clients immediately and not have to wait for paper mail, as Alvin said. So we started using DocuSign in 2019, uh, right before COVID hit. 
So by the time COVID came around, I would say we were pretty well positioned to be virtual, to be remote. And DocuSign has been great because it allows us to email instantaneously to clients. I think their number one question when they'll ask is, do I have to print something? I don't have a printer at home. No one has a printer. So you don't have to do that with DocuSign. So we've really utilized, like Allison said, these virtual tools to keep to keep it going and keep the ground running during COVID. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, one thing that was all, always important to the history of the firm and then to Harry and I also is that we loved meeting with our clients in person. We always felt like you got a better, both people, the client and the attorney, you get to know someone better, right? If you get to see them face to face. So we've, we've had, we have, we have offices throughout the state so that we can meet with clients in person. Um, and so when, when COVID hit, we kind of had to adjust that too and make sure that clients were still feeling like we were there and that they were so comfortable with us, even though we couldn't actually sit with them in a room in person and talk with them. So, um, you know, some had video capabilities so we could do a Skype or a Zoom or a video conference if we needed to. And then the other big change, of course, was the, the law itself. So the way that we obtain these benefits in most cases, at least the ones that we handle, have to go to the hearing level. So we appear before a judge on a pretty regular basis, weekly, daily basis. Um, and those all became for the VA by video and then for Social Security originally just by phone. There was not even video. <laughs> so we had to figure out how can we get ourselves, the judge, the client connected. Um, you know, Social Security and VA, of course, spearheaded the technology side of it. So a lot of our clients didn't have reliable phones or videos. So it was really trying to make sure how can we get you on board, get you answering your phone you know and i think the fact that we had built those relationships with uh, these judges for years before helped us i think it would have been a lot harder to start out doing these hearings virtually uh, but it did add a comfort level because the dallas and i talked about we were concerned we, we as you said we want to be there in person for our clients we didn't know how it was going to go not in person but uh, so far it's, it's been a smooth process on the virtual side well that's a that's a great pivot story. Uh, thank you for sharing that. We're talking today with Allison Affleck and Harry Brenner with Affleck and Gordon. Affleck and Gordon has successfully handled thousands of claims, resulting in the recovery of millions of dollars in disability and medical benefits. At Affleck and Gordon, the attorneys are dedicated to one end, ensuring that you and your loved ones get the benefits you deserve. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, the type of law that you practice and and how you serve your clients. So for our audience's sake, uh, talk a little bit about that, the type of law that you practice and how you serve your clients. Thanks, Bill. So, you know, we are definitely involved in the area of several kinds of disability law. Uh, We do Social Security disability law, and the firm has done that for about four decades. Uh, We also do uh, veteran disability law. And we've grown that area of our practice quite significantly since we've taken over the firm in 2019. Um, but I would say at the heart of those areas of law is advocating for the population of our clients, people that need help that may not be able to advocate for themselves on their own, especially in these, as Allison said, complicated administrative procedures, just a lot of paperwork, a lot of appeals, deadlines, hearings, evidence, evidentiary review. All of these things are, are necessary for our clients to help get their benefits. Uh, they're oftentimes denied. As we mentioned, they often have to go to hearing. And so getting them some stability, perhaps a monthly benefit, 
health insurance, things that can be so hard in this country to get when you aren't able to work. And in social security disabilities area, if you're unable to work at all, in VA disabilities area, if your service-connected injuries are affecting you from your time in service, the ability to get some type of stability and monthly benefit is really what we're trying to do for our clients. And, and oftentimes that can, that can take some time, but unfortunately um, the government has always kind of been a little slow in that regard, but we're, they're doing their best to, to speed it up. But that's the heart of what we're practicing. Yeah, so we try to really be this liaison between our clients and whichever governmental organization, you know, they're, they're trying to get benefits from, um, you know, and it could be for a family member, you know, it could be for a claimant themselves, that's the disabled person applying for their benefits, or it could be the family member of a deceased claimant or, you know, someone who's struggling on their own. So we really want to provide that support for, for people um, and just, just making sure that they don't give up. Because I think when you get injured or you're diagnosed with some debilitating condition, and then you apply for benefits, whether it's VA or Social Security, and you get denied, it feels like a punch in the butt, right? You know, you feel like I've, I've worked, I've paid into Social Security, and now I'm, I'm showing you I have this diagnosis. I, one client that always strikes me that I had is I met her at one of our, our offices in, in Conyers, and she got out of the car with assistance from her family member. She was on a walker, and she was wearing a helmet, um, and she was having a really difficult time. You could just see because she had a brain tumor, and she'd been denied. And, you know, she had physical problems, emotional problems, cognitive problems. And this was someone who had owned her own company and been very successful and, and you know, paid into Social Security and done all the, you know, the quote things you're supposed to do. And she was still denied. So I think we always try to really encourage our clients, don't give up. That's what we're here for, to kind of help you continue to appeal and navigate this process so that you, you know, you ultimately get those benefits that you're entitled to. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some do-it-yourselfers out there that feel a little overwhelmed in the process. You know, one of you said earlier, uh, talking about advocating, and so I, I would like to dive into that a little bit deeper. Beyond the services that you provided, you said it's important to be comfortable with the attorney who's advocating for you. So talk a little bit about that advocacy and why it's so important. Sure, so I think... Carrie kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but when you're applying for these benefits, especially if you're out of work, you're, you're literally putting your livelihood and kind of the financial security of, of you and your family in someone's hands. So you want to make sure that it's somebody that you trust and that you're comfortable with. Um, and I think too, we're counselors, right? You know, Harry made this point when we were talking earlier, but a lawyer is a, a counselor at law, right? And so the type of law we do, you really are counseling your client. And a lot of times they may not have someone else to talk to. So you literally become their life counselor in addition. And, and you want them to feel comfortable to tell you what's happening, what's going on with them physically, or maybe they start to struggle from a mental health perspective as they get denied, as they're in pain, right? Yeah. And I think uh, that Leslie had a good point earlier about getting involved early because you know, when you're starting out that process and you said that like, you've been denied, Allison, you know, it's very important in those. And I think, as we both have found, in the early conversations with your client to gain their trust, to show them your competency in the area of law that you specialize in. Uh, that might require a, a long meeting at first. You know, you might have a, a lot of stuff to get done, but you want to take the time to really talk to your client at the beginning and explain to them, you know, the road ahead 
of what could be the timeline potentially is the thing that you can bring your experience to. Yeah, you want to be transparent with your client up front. And I, so I agree with you, Austin. I think that convincing and, and not just convincing, but showing your client who you are as a person and an attorney that you care about them and you want to advocate for them, it goes a long way in building that relationship as you go forward representing your client. Now, also, hey, just kind of in addition to that, talking about your health conditions is a very vulnerable thing, right? When you're having health conditions, whether, again, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, cognitive, whatever the condition may be, it's you're in a really vulnerable state. And telling someone about that also makes you feel really vulnerable. So I think having an attorney that you're comfortable with, it, it helps with that. It, it makes it a little bit easier to talk about some of these more sensitive impairments that you might have or that you might be dealing with. Um, and, and I think that's that's really important to, to make sure you're comfortable with your attorney too. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, in a prior life, I was in banking. Uh, similar thing, talking about your finances to someone is uh, has to be someone that you're comfortable with and, and that you trust. So whether it's financial or whether it's health or physical related, it's it's really important to be comfortable. So in my experience as a coach, I found that the number one weakness in professional services firms is marketing. Uh, so you're not just lawyers, but you're, you're salespeople too. Uh, I know you focused on your client intake process to build your practice. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And that has been probably, <laughs> our, we laugh with each other because I would say it has probably been our number one, not our number one, but one of our top priorities in terms of our, our focus of the past couple of years, because in law school, they don't teach you anything about running your own firm from the business side um, or the sales side. They don't, no one talks to you about the fact that if you're in a small firm, you are a salesperson, even in a big firm, right? You're responsible for bringing in revenue. Um, and so I think that's been something that we've tried to figure out the balance of. Yes, because, and that, that's a big thing for us is that as we, I think, process, process, process has been the, the theme of, of intake. And again, as we kind of talked about earlier, getting everyone on the same page, but as much as we've tried to improve our intake process and bring on new clients uh, and new revenue for the firm, we still really felt it's important uh, to balance, you know, your your new clients with your current clients. You, you know, you don't want to spend so much time on getting new claimants that you're not serving your current client population. So I think that balance has been important. Um, I think just creating the new technology, I mean, using the new technology to create a solid process that everyone can adhere to so that when someone looks in the system, they know exactly what's happened. They can pick up right where the other person left off. Mm -hmm. So I think just, just being, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before, being everyone being on the same page and unified and using the same tools and technologies um, really helps us, you know, in a lot of ways, get our intake process in a more of a, a efficient process. I think also with intake, what, what's changed from law firms in terms of marketing and intake is also the speed with which people expect you to respond, um, especially in a, a claimant-serving type industry, right? They they want to hear back from you immediately. If they submit you know, a form on your website or they, they call, they want to talk with someone immediately right then and there. If, if they don't get you, they're moving right down on Google to the next person. So we found that we really had to work on our response time before where maybe we had even a, even with a word of mouth client where they might be able to wait a couple of hours um, 
you know, to hear back if we were in a hearing or something like that, we've learned that we have to respond immediately so that we can get somebody on the phone from our office, you know, whether it's Harry, me, one of our other attorneys, um, one of our case managers, just making sure that that person knows, hey, we're here. (laughs) We want to help you. We want to talk this through with you Um, and, and really learning how to figure out how to quickly respond to people and how people want to be responded to, right? So we always joke, there's all this, there's all these ways now of communicating. We get messages, I'll get a phone message, then I'll get an email, then I'll get a LinkedIn message, then I'll get a, you know, a a paper message from, you know, someone that puts a note on my desk. I mean, sometimes you're sitting there thinking, how do I respond to all of these? And so as Harry said, we've really worked on our process in terms of building that out in our case management software. So we know exactly has, has, you know, this person been spoken to? Have we been able to help them? Have we gotten that, them set up? Um, you know, have we kind of pointed them in the right direction? I think that's just been really important, focusing on that intake to make sure we can help as many people as we can and we can um, do that as quickly as quickly as we, we can reach out to those people. You know, you make such a good point. I feel like I should write a letter to all of the deans of the law schools throughout the country because they create great attorneys, uh, but you're business people too. They don't teach business in law school. And when you own the firm, there's no on-the-job training. And so you're expected to know as much about how to run a business as you are practicing law. And uh, it's, it's so hard because law school doesn't prepare you really for running a business. They prepare you for uh, being an attorney. So you're great technicians, but a lot of times I find that uh, those in professional services firms really struggle uh, with the business aspects of, of running, running the practice. So for our listeners out there, if they have a loved one or maybe they themselves maybe have a matter that um, they would want to get in touch with you both, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Call us. I mean, well, I mentioned there's all these ways, right? But <laughs> I would say that you can email us, speak us, no. But um, the, the best way I would say is call. You know, our, our phone number is 404 one six four nine. Um, we have an amazing receptionist who, who you know, is able to take those initial calls and get people directly to Harry or to me or to one of our our case managers. Um, you know, we always love talking to new clients. We also our website applicantwarden.com. You know, you're able to fill out a form on the website and we can respond to those as well. Um, I think everyone just has you know, a different comfort level, but either of those ways, you know, we're always trying to be really accessible so that we can talk to anyone who's in need of, of help that we can provide. And, and it's a, a kind of a funny note, the Affleck in our name is, is not like Affleck, A-F-L-A-C-K, A-F-L-A-C, it's more like uh, Ben Affleck, yeah. A-F-F-L-A-C-K. Yes, Affleck and Gordon.com. Yeah. Yep, got it. Well, that is great. Uh, listen, thank you both for coming on uh, Profit Sense today. It's uh, it's an important part of the law, and I'm glad we were able to have you to make uh, our listeners aware of it. Well, we really appreciate it, Bill. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Bill. So before I close, I want to just take a moment to talk a little bit about something that has been coming up with a lot of business owners recently, and that's that's accountability. 
you know, I've got a client right now who has been a very successful business for uh, over 48 years. Uh, but when I asked the CEO who is accountable for sales, actually the business had always been run with no one accountable for sales. Have another story recently where I was talking to a, a staffing firm and the CEO was accountable for everything. And so if no one else is accountable in the organization, then what typically happens is the CEO is accountable. I've also seen situations where there is split accountability, uh, two people responsible for one thing. And of course, that always happens that whoever is accountable, they think the other person is accountable for that. So really in an ideal world as a CEO, it's, it's really important for there to be one person who's accountable for the three functions in a firm, someone accountable for sales, someone accountable for operations, and someone accountable for finance. And I just want to remind our listeners that accountability uh, is so critical in the organization because without accountability, execution suffers. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on social media for the latest stories. If you want to listen to future ProfitSense podcasts, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.